0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. We are back with another episode of Our Roots and Tea. I uh, just want to say a quick thank you for all those who's been listening, um, and for those who are just tuning in, uh, new listeners. We, you know, we are here to talk about a lot of topics that explore our minds, uh, spirituality, meditation, uh, life purpose, all that good stuff, and. Today, I actually have the perfect guest for that because he's got, he's got amazing story, amazing journey that he's going to share with us today. Um, so we got Alexander Karuga.
1: All right, Darren Kwan. Well, thank you for having me on and uh, thank-, uh, thank you to your guests. I appreciate you all taking the time to listen to us today.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so before we even get into Alexander's story, uh, you know, it is a tradition here that we, we share a cup of tea with our guests because... You know, it's just a nice little activity that we do um, that, you know, it, it gives us a very calming feeling and, and open, opening up while we drink our tea. And I'm drinking green tea with Jasmine today. And Alexander, I think he's also drinking green tea, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, so, you know, to start off, uh, I'll just start off with a really basic um, starter question. So um, how have you been so far?
1: You know, I, I went through a pretty long surgery on April 2nd, so I'm still recovering, but I'm getting okay. stronger every day and I'm pretty positive.
0: Oh, great, great, great. Okay, okay. And then you've just been pretty much resting at home, is my, my guess.
1: Resting at home, trying to make some moves. I want to start a website myself, and I uh, got a public notary license uh, recently, and also... Uh, studying to renew my real estate
0: license so just trying to get back on my feet you know it's been a while mm, okay okay are have you actually been working at home like is that what you I mean because I you know because you said you start your website so I guess everything's just done at home for you
1: yeah mostly done at home and uh, regarding the website I'm still working on it but I have my first six blog posts done so pretty positive pretty happy about that I really actually want to get into life coaching so that's why I'm starting mm. the
0: website yeah life coaching wow that's like a that's a, that's actually a very interesting industry interesting field
1: uh, yeah it's it's broad it's open to a lot of things and i figure i just let my audience kind of guide me into a niche whatever that may be whether it's financial coaching business coaching life coaching etc
0: okay okay and for for you you're I mean, you're just kind of brand new into it, right? You're just kind of throwing into it. You're like, you had experience before. You're kind of, this is like starting new for you, you know, in a sense.
1: Yeah, I had corporate experience uh, as a W-2 and as a 1099 worker, I've also worked, you know, the self-employed route, but as a life coach, you're correct. I've never practiced before. So that's pretty new to me, but I've been through quite a bit of life as we'll talk about on this podcast. <laughs>
0: oh, you know what, that's what we're here for. And that's and, and that's actually a good way to segue into it, you know? And um, so, yeah, you know, tell because I, I think, you know, you and I kind of briefly exchanged emails. And of course, you, you revealed a lot of personal details too, which we, we probably won't really get into. But, you know, for you, how long have you, you know, been on this kind of spiritual journey? And I I'm, don't know if you're still on it now. I think you did say that you were, kind of still on it from like 2018 2020 um you know how's that been how how's that journey going so far right now
1: yeah so are you asking kind of when I started this
0: journey in my life yeah both when and then you know how's it going now
1: yeah so I think uh when I was 13 years old my father got into filmmaking as a hobby okay filmed a a movie in uh, Seattle's Chinatown slash international district Mm. And I was in seventh grade mm. and through that, through the Chinese Chamber of Commerce, he found his lead actor, David Leong, who eventually, you know, my father said, do you want to do Chinese martial arts? And I said, yes. Uh, and seventh grade to eighth to ninth grade, I lost 45 pounds. I was doing Hungar, Southern Shaolin Kung Fu under Sifu David Leong. And we did a lot of lion dancing. So L-I-O-N, not lion, mm. <laughs> lion for Chinese New Year, yeah, All yeah. Out of Seattle for four years. And uh, that was an experience to really immerse me into the Chinese culture. And of course, in 2014, I found uh, a Qigong teacher, Dr. Sun, in Bothell, Washington. And that's how I got into kind of the soft internal martial arts. And it kind of progressed from there into my journey to spirituality. But it really started in seventh grade when I got into hard, you know, Shaolin Kung Fu. Mm. And uh, when I left Seattle on August 9th, 2018 for this journey we're about to talk about yeah that's when i really took a significant step into spirituality and really dealing with whatever traumas i've been avoiding through the positive addiction of working a lot Mm -hmm. you know uh and uh when i quit corporate america and i stopped i noticed that of course i experienced a lot of identity loss because i was one of those guys that worked everything onto his job lost hobbies just to like really progress and it worked out but You know, when you get ripped from that title, that job, how do you define yourself to people? You kind of have Mm. to find yourself again. Mm. And at the same time, uh, I, I was off track. You know, I was generally always on a certain track in my life. Yeah. Towards success, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, corporate career, you know. Yeah.
0: The society structure basically kind of setting that up for you in a way.
1: Yeah, and I had some interruptions. You know, I'm, it may not look like it, but I'm Filipino American and my mm-hmm. mother's from Manila. Mm-hmm. And I lived in the Philippines from eight to 10 years old. Yeah. So that was a culture shock, but it was more of a culture shock to come back to the US after that experience, like a reverse mm. culture shock, if you will. Wow. Because my communication style was very Asian, it was very indirect communication. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of my teachers, who are, you know, generally white American women, didn't want to have to give me special treatment because it kind of goes against American egalitarianism. They didn't want to have to speak to me indirectly and then speak to everyone directly. So of course I had to readjust my communication style to a more direct way of speaking, more American way. So that was a little difficult. And there were some other niceties, but that was really the only major interruption I had in that general path towards, you know, school, corporate America, et cetera. And then of course this journey really interrupted everything.
0: Mm. mm, Wow. And so it's almost like a defining moment was that kind of like being stripped away from that whole corporate thing. Then you realize like, oh, hey, I think I have like something bigger here, like bigger issue that I need to to solve. That's kind of how you were thinking at the time.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of things within my friends, within my coworkers, within my extended immediate family, even within strangers in the Seattle area that uh, kind of there was a lot of tragedy that kind of pushed someone like me to a position where mm. the, the Lord, the universe, whatever you want to believe was telling me that you have to go on this journey. It was really the only option. Mm. because My parents wanted me, I had a real estate license at the time. They wanted me to get back into real estate as a 1099. Mm-hmm. And they had friends they were setting me up with, but I'm like, you're not really hearing me. I'm burnt out. Yeah. You know, I took two adrenal fatigue tests, one this year, one last year, you know, I've shown a trend of Oh, wow. I needed to take a rest and do something different and travel yeah. to the vehicle where I could find that. Yeah. So when I left Seattle, all I had in mind was this website called Sacred Places of Peace and Power. Yeah. And that led me to a lot of Native American sites like mountains, mm-hmm. rivers, lakes, mm-hmm. really places of, of massive beauty and power. And also Christian sites, because I'm Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. um, churches, basilicas, chapels, and of course, some Hindu temples I went to as well. Yeah, yeah. and it's truly amazing. Uh, the U.S. is like a microcosm of everything in the world because mm. the world comes to the U.S. Yes. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, well, I mean, it is supposedly a melting pot, right? It's what they what they describe it as. Oh wow, that's 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 crazy. Yeah, and it, because you did detail too that you you went to like seventy percent of this kind of grand adventure trip. You know, you 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 mentioned in the email. And I looked it up and it's like over 800 places, uh, covering over 30,000 miles. And I'm like, wow, that is, that's crazy how you able to go like 70% of that. And, and, um, so oh, no, I,
1: excuse me, Darren, 70% of that map I showed you was where I went. I actually, uh, like, this is not shown
0: oh wow okay so well, I,
1: I covered that whole map just the places you, in the wilderness i couldn't find a you know a map for you know i couldn't i didn't there were no names particularly to those places
0: oh wow so it's even it's even more than, than what oh wow okay oh okay oh, that's crazy oh wow um it, okay well then and that's the thing it's like because you know usually after this this journey this adventure you know obviously you someone like you would probably gain some kind of insight or or gain some sort of revelation or whatever it is. I mean, so what is that for you, you know, after going this this grand adventure?
1: Yeah, there, I mean, there are many insights and I think I don't want to get too heavy with it, but I think that what I saw was a lot of beauty, but I also saw that suffering is everywhere. And, uh, you know, it's a very classic observation that the Buddha had 25 centuries ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I wasn't raised in royalty like him, um, but I saw it in my own way through this modern times Mm -hmm. as opposed to what he saw when he left the palace and decided to become uh, on his path to enlightenment. Um, But, you know, in terms of uh, other insights I had, I think one of them was taking back your power Mm. truly lies in forgiveness. And uh, a theme of this journey for me was healing but there were a lot of sub themes like taking back my personal power and learning how to forgive. Cause that's in, for me personally, is a lesson that's difficult mm. because if you don't forgive, you're just drinking your own poison, right?
0: Yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah. 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 I
1: felt like my resentment is going to change the other person unless I do an immoral action, which I would yeah. not want to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 No, you're right. You're right. Yes. Cause I heard about, I heard that Sat, Guru had talked about this in an interview too. You, um, if you know who he is, he's like a spiritual, uh, teacher um yeah his quote is almost the same as yours like you know you're it's like anger is like you yeah you you drink poison hoping the other the other person dies and then you're just like okay well that's that's not gonna happen
1: (laughs) yeah and you know that that you know within uh buddhism really when i got into vipassana meditation which we can talk about later yeah showing anger is not something that you see a lot in a lot of monks yeah you could argue that that's unhealthy because they never really show Expert. it but you yeah. can also argue that they're meditating they're 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 looking at that anger and they're diffusing it by observing it without reacting mm-hmm. so there are different ways to look at it and look at you know is it healthy to never show anger mm-hmm. um is the person who's healthier the one that's angry all the time and they're actually mm-hmm. getting it out mm-hmm. or is it the one that's always calm and you're like there's something wrong with that guy because he's never mm-hmm. angry you know it just depends how your perspective on emotional releases anger mm-hmm. etc
0: Okay, well, l- actually, let me ask you this: like, I do have a follow-up question of that. I mean, this may or may not be personal, depending on how you view it. So, for you, you said you're looking for healing. You know, you're talking about taking back the power because it's you know to be truly for like forgiving, and that's the way how it is. And for you, like, is was there was were there certain things that you were like holding a grudge on, and then you just needed to forgive and move on? Like, I mean, for you, it, it you know. It sounds like you had some kind of anger in you, right? I'm I'm Absolutely. just wondering, what, well, I'm just wondering what that what that is like. What were you mad at something like how like you're maybe angry for parents for, you know, maybe treating you a certain way or or you know, etc.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it, yeah, I'm a pretty open guy, and this is a not, not something we talk about much. But the reason why my family went to the Philippines when I was eight to ten years old was because. My mother's father, my little Tom, he died and he didn't write a will. Mm. So, what happened was a very classic battle between her three brothers and my mother uh-huh. uh, for inheritance. So, uh, basically, the eldest brother tried to claim everything and he was suing us for everything we had in both Filipino and US courts because oh, wow. my mother got a gift, a wedding gift from her father. Yeah. that wasn't uh, he claimed that she stole it you yeah. know but it was really yeah. a gift it just it was never yeah. in writing right yeah uh, amongst a lot of other things yeah. so it was a very yeah. long power struggle and the way my life was from zero to 10 years old was really marred by the fact that we could lose everything at any time financially yes um, and that was very scary as a kid and you know my mom was pretty open about it to me and in some ways I feel like that was inappropriate because I was kind of expected to be more of an adult than i was as a kid in some ways mm. because i was being exposed to these very adult things like you know yeah my mother would be crying and i'd see her and it was a very stressful time and yeah uh you know putting someone through that much stress i mean it's like she was fighting her own country in, in a way oh wow um, you know her own identity was even being challenged you know yeah. yeah after 10 years old we never went back to the philippines as a family and that's a pretty big Uh, Scars, so there's there's that growing up, and I you know someone tends to blame their parents, but I also have to realize they were under a lot of external stress.
0: Yeah.
1: And I have to have compassion for that. And as I grow and I've been through life experiences, I start to see that right. Um, And you never really know what it's like to have kids until you have your own, and then you're like, I have more compassion for my parents, right? For example.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: So there's that. Another one would be kind of like a constant identity crisis that I had growing up because uh, my father has a strong affinity to mexico he's a oh, 64 white american good looking guy but mm-hmm. he speaks spanish he really loves mexico same with my grandfather same with me and after 10 years old um i come from the philippines and then i go back to the us and now i'm working construction with my dad alongside these really fine uh mexican gentlemen and, and latino guys from south of the border who don't really have the highest education. Don't really have their paperwork together, but they're really good people, and that's who I really worked with all my life in terms of with my father's business. And instead of you know us going to the Philippines every year, every other year we'd go back, we'd go to Mexico, Puerto Vallarta, and we would visit my grandfather, who was a snowbird. He lived there every six months of the year. He's mm-hmm. 94 now. And uh, for me, you know, between the Philippines and Mexico. There was a very big, uh, you know, the Spanish colonized both countries. Yeah. They're both majority Catholic countries. Yeah. There's a lot of food shared between the countries. Um, in fact, the Manila-Acapulco trade route actually went from the Philippines, from China, Philippines, all the way through Mexico, down wow. into South America. It was actually the first trade route to really connect the world. Oh, wow. so there was a lot of trade between the 1800s and before between Mexico yeah. and the Philippines. So I think... Uh, and my skin tends to get pretty tan because I worked outside. I love being outside. Yeah. So in the US, you know, white Americans would perceive me as being Mexican or Latino.
0: Okay.
1: There's no problem if it has good intentions, but most yes. of the time it doesn't. And mm-hmm. if a Mexican were to say, I look, Mexican, I would take that as a compliment because that's what they are. They yeah. wouldn't be using it as an insult. But when a white American says it to me, in my perception, yeah. it's like, first of all, it's inaccurate. Secondly, do you mean it as a negative? Because historically oh. speaking, Mexicans have been discriminated against in this yeah. country.
0: Yeah.
1: So uh, there was that element of an identity crisis, and that was exacerbated by my friendship group before I left Seattle on this journey. Uh, you know, there was one or two people that uh, you know were Asian American, but didn't think that I was Asian American enough, mm-hmm. and they started spreading rumors around and just kind of uh, having other people like question my identity and say you're not Filipino you know and it's like we all have different relationships to our to our different cultures and we all choose to display it or not um in in a visible way but uh, I would found that very hurtful and I found that as a betrayal and regarding my work you know we had the identity loss we talked about that regarding before I left Seattle you know my parents heavily disapproved of me leaving Mm. um to the point where you know (laughs) my mom threatened to write me out of the will, you know, and I don't care if I get a will or not. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, that just seems like a very uh, heavy handed coercion tactic at the time. Now my mom has changed and it took a lot of pain on all our parts to really come to those changes. Before I left, I remember I, basically my baby sister came to say goodbye to me, Sophia, she's we're nine years difference. And, you know, she said, uh, mom wants your garage door opener and your house keys. And to me, that was symbolically kind of saying, you're not welcome back. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and I was just like, I didn't even pack properly for this trip. I asked mm-hmm. a lot of my extended family for advice on how to go about this trip. I really didn't get that. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, my parents used the indirect communication style of Asia to get all their friends to try to subtly convince me. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, so subtly convince me. Of to leave. And it felt like my, um, my privacy was being invaded because yeah. I asked them, I said, hey, Yeah, keep this between us. Yeah. And that wasn't the case. So there were a lot of things where it was like, um, I was just hit left and right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was beaten and I was tired and this fatigue from corporate America, you know, I switched jobs between four years, two years, uh, four jobs, I doubled my salary in that time. But you can imagine how exhausting it is to go from yes. company to company, different yeah. team, learning a different culture, different set of procedures.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I was
1: successful, but I was also naive. So I pushed myself to a to a place out of a, a need of approval, a need of love, and my own personal intrinsic ambition, mm-hmm. which pushed me to, 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 to reach this. But it felt empty, you know, it felt like right. I needed something more. And that's why one of
0: the reasons why I went on this multifaceted journey. Mm. oh god that's great that's wow. Oh, that's a whole lot of stuff there I mean it's wow it's kind of crazy um, I guess to make a comment about the whole <laughs> but, and I also do relate to you understand you know um, these kind of in an Asian family it's, things can never keep as a secret it's, for some reason it's just rumors to spread like wildfires within the families always like that it's, I don't know um somehow they just like to gossip. Um so but but yeah you know I and so that's the thing the thing I'm trying to understand as well myself is you know obviously in order to to go on this route and take this step you 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 are you are having to obviously give up a lot of things right you know we're talking about giving up whatever life you had maybe even some money right because you know you guys probably spent a lot of money too to go on this trip I mean how how did you even manage that like how I mean was it a quick decision where like hey you know what that's fine I could give up all this material stuff you know because for some people it's hard you know
1: yeah you're right and you know before I left on this journey when I was in corporate America my financial philosophy was called FIRE Financial Independence Early Retirement And that's all about lowering your expenses as much as you can and increasing your, your income as much as you can. And my savings rate was around 70%. Oh, great. Um, So I lived at home most of the time during corporate America. I biked to to where I worked downtown Seattle.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, I just cooked all my food because I learned, I taught myself to cook at 17. Oh, great. And when I went to Seattle university, I had a culinary club to help students how to cook. So we had 23 members did that for three years and, uh, one of my philosophies was cook at home. You can control your calories and your finances. Yeah. And I did that a lot in the journey, but basically I I had a different view of my life. I always wanted to retire early and and the view shifted immediately towards taking these mini breaks, if you will, throughout life instead of retiring at the end at 60, 65 or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, again, it was one of those things where I was prepared for this kind of journey financially speaking. Okay very prepared, but it also changed my financial philosophy, or at least my course significantly, because you can, as you said, you spend a lot of money going for this long and this far uh, in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, for me, I guess, you know, it's it's a struggle for everyone, you know, it's hard to, right, because you're, you know, you're leaving everything behind, you know, it's almost like saying, it's almost like you're going to you know, go to India, live in an ashram or something and be a monk, right? I mean, you're giving up everything. So um, that's why I just kind of had the idea while it's like you being able to do, it's actually very impressive, to be honest. Um, uh, I- I'm pretty sure not many people can do that. Um, but now back at, backtracking, actually going back to to this adventure, just trip that, that you had. Um, I mean, along the ways, you know, going to so many diff- different destinations, there's gotta be someone that you've met along that way and the trip or even like a story that that really, really changed your your philosophy, like really kind of give you like a, like open your mind up. So if there was, what I mean, was there any of that? Yeah, so I was
1: in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was in an Airbnb with this woman from Texas originally, and I wasn't feeling so hot, and she said why don't you see Dr. Gooman at the Harmony Healing Center for Acupuncture? Oh, okay. And I was like, okay, well, uh, I've never done acupuncture before, but in corporate America, I had a health savings account because I had a high deductible health plan. So that's an eligible expense. You don't need a doctor's note. Yeah. So I went to see Dr. Gooman, and we sat on his chair, and he looked at me, and he looked at me right here, right where the third eye is Uh, in the system. For about, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds, and he was like, hmm. You're like a mountain of love, but you need to learn how to forgive. And I was like, whoa, is this acupuncture? Mm. Like, oh, profound, like, because, you know, he was right. And that was been a theme even till now. Forgiveness is something I, you know, I wish I had, you know, even a fraction of forgiveness power as yeah. you know, Jesus Christ yeah. or the Buddha, right? And we did the acupuncture session. And at the end, he wrote a piece of, on a piece of paper and he said, young man, this will change your life. And I was like, is this some snake oil kind of a <laughs> thing? You know, I was like, it's kind of weird. Yeah. So I go back to, you know, my BNB and I look online because he gave me a website link, www.dama.org. and it was to the Vipassana retreats. Mm. I didn't do much research, but I knew that I was kind of desperate. I was kind of, you know, burning the candle at both ends on how far I've traveled and what I've experienced. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, it was free, free room, free board, free food. And I'm like, am I joining a cult? Like there's no, (laughs) Uh, I was going to go to Dallas anyways. So I decided to apply to the center 40 minutes outside of Dallas and this, and I was waitlisted. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to get it. You know? And then on the last day, my Airbnb hostess, Whitney was like, did you get it? And I I looked at my email and it's like, Oh my God, I got accepted. Mm -hmm. So I drive to Dallas, I drive there and you know, it's about, 120 people you know 60 men 60 women uh, they put you under noble silence for 10 days and you meditate from you know 4:30 a.m to 9 p.m and on the mat you're about you're on that meditation mat for about 10.5 hours a day but the really experienced people are meditating at all moments right yeah it takes a while to get to that level and uh, I didn't even know how to sit properly so I was sitting zanzen you know like the, how the Japanese sit on their knees oh yeah yeah but I didn't put anything under my bum So sitting directly for an hour, we would do these meditations called Aditan, which is means in the Indian Pali language, the ancient language of Pali in India, uh, sit of strong determination. So you sit and you don't move for an hour and you observe the sensations in your body. Mm -hmm. And that was intense. And at the end of the retreat, of course, you can talk on the 10th day and everyone leaves on the 11th day and the 10th day. Everyone's like, dude, I wanted to tell you (laughs) to put a pillow under there (laughs) because that looks so painful. Uh-huh. And I said about three times, and then I was like, okay, I'm just going crisscross applesauce.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But for that meditation, for me, that retreat brought me into balance. And I mm-hmm. remember, you know, some centers have a pagoda, which is a bunch of rooms in a circle facing the center. And sometimes it's two stories. And, you know, kind of when you reach the fifth day or so, they allow you to go in the pagoda to meditate. Mm-hmm. And I was in that room by myself, and I remember so clearly on the seventh day, I got up from the mat, I jumped up and I was about to punch the drywall and I Mm. stopped myself. And I said, oh my God, how much anger have I not paid attention to? How much anger have I suppressed within myself? Mm. Um, How many situations where I just chose harmony over conflict when I could have stood up for myself in the past? Um, You know, I I have a lot of compassion to help other people, but, but in the past, sometimes that just became being a doormat and not really receiving anything in return not that you should do things with a thought of that in mind yeah but i did that so much um my qigong teacher before i left seattle he called it ruthless compassion
0: mm.
1: he said you have the gift of compassion but in, in in the buddhist tradition he was part of he said that that's doing something you you want to help other people so much that you take their negative karma from them and you give your light to them huh. and during his journey he said the problem with that was i had a voice come to me saying that's disrespectful that's disrespectful and as he dug deeper into that he realized that that person's soul that person's soul and that person themselves did not ask for help explicitly they did not give the permission to receive help Uh so what he is doing is taking the negative karma the negative baggage off that person where it was meant to be on them for in this lifetime to grow so Uh essentially he's robbing them of opportunity to grow Mm-hmm. And on the end of giving positive energy at the same time, and, and that helping energy, they didn't ask for it explicitly. So what happens is that person, of course, gets the help, but they never asked for it. So they're never, they don't need to be grateful for it. You know, uh, there was no real exchange. So in his opinion, the highest level of compassion is only helping others when they explicitly ask you or you offer and they ask you. And to me at the time, that seemed like a very cold view of compassion. Mm. I was yeah. someone who always wanted to help people, yeah. even against my own well-being. Yeah. Um, and he understood. I mean, this is the same man who kind of went through the same uh, problem. And he just said, you know, you have to learn to, to, to see the darkness in some places and avoid it, as well as to respect other people with your need to want to help them, because that can turn into, a, into a, to wanting to manipulate them. Sure, I can see their potential and they may not be able to, but if I want to help so much, it could turn into me trying to manipulate them to be better when they're not ready. They're they're not ready to open that gate within themselves um, in that particular area. So the idea of ruthless compassion was something that I had to work through. Uh And a lot of these anger situations came from me putting myself in these situations where other people just took advantage of me or were not thankful for what i did and again i didn't give strings attached help Mm -hmm. but a part of me did and that's where this anger came from so it was learning to give in the philippines right you know every time you go to someone's house you bring a gift right yeah um a strong gift giving culture but it can be manipulative um and, and and one of the advices he gave me before i left seattle was only give a gift if you truly feel like you want to give it without strings attached you know don't give it to give it don't give it because your culture says so and i guess some some situations if you're you know in china working with chinese business yeah. people you, you may have to change up your style but sure. in general uh there were times where i gave gifts because i meant it and there were times i gave gifts to manipulate people into liking mm-hmm. me more or into wanting to quit pro quo me later oh, um, yeah, so yeah. there was a part of myself that that had that darkness and that mm-hmm. malintention behind gift giving um and of course that kind of aligned with Ruthless compassion, but it's not clear cut. It's not black and white. It's there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of, okay, gift of compassion, but compassion can be weaponized, you know, compassion right. can be turned into a negative thing. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it's, there's a lot of intersections between what would be good and bad, uh, depending on your value system and, and these concepts within myself, within this cauldron and psychology and subconscious of who I am that I had to sort through and Vipassana helped me get deeper, Mm. help me perform a deep operation onto my mind so that I could resolve these things I was running away from. Cause again, you know, I went through tragedy that forced me to leave Seattle in a way, even though it was my choice, but there were also all these traumas from my childhood in the past that were catching up to me too. Cause I never stopped in my life. I never just stopped everything. Yeah. So It was just like caught up yeah. to me and Vipassana helped me get back into balance uh, at a time because it, it felt like I was seeing the world for the first time and of course I've lived in other countries no, no doubt i I've, yeah. but I've never been to a place by myself without my family mm-hmm. or without a student tour guide mm-hmm. or a student group and when you go around the world by yourself you you see how you're perceived and how you're treated just as you are you know I don't have a 6'4 white father right here <laughs> next yeah. to me you know uh, or a family around me to make me look less threatening I'm a single dude I'm 6'2 I'm a big guy uh, sometimes I have facial hair sometimes I don't sometimes my skin's darker than it is Mm -hmm. Uh, in places where people are more homogenous and maybe they're not used to dealing with someone who they perceive as the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I have to have compassion for them, but also have discernment to be able to see what could potentially be discrimination or what is just ignorance, you know? You know, kind of, yeah, there's a lot to say here, but that Vipassana retreat in some helped uh, me deal with a lot of anger, also get me back into balance so I could continue that journey.
0: I mean, yeah, it's true because, you know, when you're, when you're truly by yourself and you're going through, you know, all the experience and, and that's kind of when you truly learn yourself too, right? Because you are able to adapt and adjust and understand like, oh, like what you said, like, oh, my dad isn't really here with me. So now it's up to myself to assess the situation or however it is. Right. And, um, and, and I love all the stuff you said, You know about you know obviously bringing back balance in your life, and and you know also the 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 whole concept of ruthless ruthless compassion. I mean that's actually very interesting too. You know just to backtrack a little bit because. um, So I'm guessing that you know for ruthless compassion, like I, I understand what you're trying to say. You know, and and the 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 idea behind it, but but let's say I'm sure there are people who want to be helped. But maybe they just don't have the courage to express it. So how can you tell if it's one of those where like, oh, I'm not ready to be helped, So I don't want you to help me. Or or one of those who are just maybe a little shy and be like, I'm not sure how to ask you.
1: Yeah, you know the the Buddhist uh, view of karma in general, generally speaking, can seem a little brutal because people could easily say, "Well, that's your karma. You're poor and you're you have one leg and good luck. That's you have to deal with that. That's your karma in this life. <laughs> Whatever wow. you think is horrible, right? That, that that could be brutal, right? Yeah. Um, depending on how you look at it and yeah. how you take it. But again, you know, offer you know, and of course in, in Christianity, I learned about random acts of kindness, which is a beautiful concept of just doing good things because you yep. want them for other people, and that's fine too. But I think to answer your question, you have to go to that person and ask them, hey, how can I be of service to you? Do you need help Mm -hmm. with this in a compassionate way that doesn't look down on them? Mm -hmm. And even then, you know, you really have to push them as much as you can. And if they truly do not ask you, yes, I do need help, or there's something preventing them from asking you, then in my teacher's view, my Qigong teacher's view, you have to back off to respect their spirit their soul. So you can, of course, ask for help and push for as much as you can, but yeah. to, to to not get their permission is a problem in his view.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's just a matter of like really reading the situation and just kind of reading, sort of reading the room and feeling kind of the energy and be like, oh, okay, this person is is not ready yet or, or whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah. An example would be, you know, I had a roommate uh, back in Capitol Hill in Seattle who, you know, he, he comes from South America, real good guy. And he was just working his way up the ladder. You know, yeah. he lost his, his father, divorced from his mother. And out of everyone in his family, he was the only one born here with a blue passport. And he really admired my business skill and my ambition. And he really pushed him and his girlfriend to, for me to live with them, you know, mm. with him and his roommate. Um, but what I and I knew he wanted help, but he was too macho to ask for it, you know, mm. And there was enough quid pro quo, silently speaking. Like I'd come to the house, and he'd do a couple nice things for me, and then maybe I'd help him with his homework because he was finishing college at the time. But again, you know, it becomes a series of silent, um, you know, indirect kind of mm. agreements that are not out there. They're not yeah. explicit. He didn't explicitly ask for help, and it creates a situation where, what if I? And I did leave that house. I did eventually left, and that created resentment in him. Because I just it was a month to month lease and he said I could leave whenever and it didn't work out. So I chose to leave. And, uh, you know, that's a situation where it's like if it was clear, it's like, hey, man, I'd like you to live with me because, you know, I admire you. And I want to learn about this business side and this crazy drive you have. Um, Then then that's that's it takes a lot of courage on his part to be humble. Yeah. And, uh, and, and of course, for me, that gives me the permission to say, I want to help you the whole yeah. time. dude. You, you asked for it, compassion, you know, yeah. economics exchange, so to speak, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 you yeah. Know, there's a mutual benefit for both yeah. of us. It's a win-win situation. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, what I should have done is I, you know, if whether, regardless of whether I wanted to live there or not, I should have really looked at the situation and said, you know, if this guy, uh, I should have put, like I said, asked, Hey, yeah. do you want help? Do you want my help? And if he truly wasn't ready to ask for my help, because yeah. he was too macho or whatever, uh, then I have to back off. I have yeah. to just say, you know what, man, you got to do your homework yourself. Yeah. Um, because he was, you know, the way he'd ask for help would be very subtle. And like, yeah. it, wasn't <laughs> so it was like, I know it's tough for you to ask for help, man. But if you're not there yet, then, you know, uh, the teacher appears when the student is ready, right? Not to say I was better than him in every way, just mm. in one particular way, I was pretty far ahead from him in the Yeah,
0: mm. uh, I love that quote, you just said too because i read that from somewhere teacher appears when the student is ready that's, yeah, that's exactly. a great one that's a great one um so and then going and then kind of just switching back to the phimposome meditation so it, it kind of sounds like that it, it it's almost like okay i, I heard, i've heard this from from like other other friends i have and uh, other guests that it's almost like opening up your third eye if if you you know even believe in that uh, or 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 you know I don't know what your take on it is but it's was that kind of like for you how it was like when you going through med- impossible meditation kind of opening up your third eye <laughs> yeah you know uh, what I was told uh,
1: I went to Sedona Arizona that's a very spiritual town and yeah. of course I went to see spiritual people and one of them said you know your third chakra instead of being kind of out into the world it seems to be depressed inward hmm. and, 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 and uh, kind of like a definition of anger could be you know, depression within, uh, and, and that sixth chakra, the third eye seems to sound like someone throughout your life kind of poked a hole into it and was just constantly trying to keep you from seeing the world as it was for you. They were, they were always putting their projection of what it is. And I kind of see that with my mother, because you know, growing up, I'd be like, Hey, you know, I think that person is discriminating against me. And it just was a conversation she didn't want to have, And mm. she kept like kind of always brushing that under the rug. Mm. and making me think that i was the one who wasn't seeing things correctly yeah. maybe some instances i wasn't but you know that was an example of that kind of depression of the ah. third eye so when i was meditating i felt a sensation in the the sixth chakra and the third like the six was saying this is life see it for as it is as you see it from moment to moment and my third chakra where my anger was where my power was the, 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 the digestion was saying there's a lot of things that you haven't been seeing that's causing you a lot of internal anger and, and you're suppressing it. And the yeah. third, eye was trying to tell, you know, they were communicating with each other. Really? Saying, oh, my. oh, wow. And they were saying, Hey man, like this is a problem. We got to get this, this third chakra that's pushed inward, pushed out again into the world. So your power is being projected in a healthy way. So you can, you know, put yourself out there in the world with confidence again, because my confidence was shattered when I left Seattle. I'm not going to lie. I was yeah. a broken man and it took a lot of effort just to leave. And, uh, this, this, uh, meditation retreat, the first one really helped mend me back mm-hmm. into who I used to be a very confident young man mm-hmm. and helped me continue my journey into the deep South, which was a segment of my journey, which had its difficulties as well. And I've never really spent significant time. And I spent seven months in the deep South in total, during this particular journey. Oh wow. oh, wow. And that's a different place than Seattle, right? Culturally speaking.
0: Yes. Um,
1: so, you know, and of course I did a Vipassana meditation retreat in Jessup, Georgia, in Montebello, Quebec, Canada, oh, wow. in Albert, Colorado, south of Denver. Uh-huh. And then in 29 Palms, just north of Joshua Tree, just three hours outside of LA yeah. where you are. Yeah. Um, and then that's when I finally, after I did my eight-day retreat, that's when I was given the opportunity to be a male manager and really give back. Mm -hmm. Uh, for our 10-day retreat. And uh, that was an amazing experience uh, on its own to be able to give back to those 39 men that were under my management. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they really appreciated it. And they actually asked me to give me a speech, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I wasn't in a place to give back to Vipassana, financially speaking, but also as a volunteer. So that's why I'm so grateful that I had all these places where I could go to recenter myself as well as make spiritual breakthroughs on each of these retreats in different ways whether it's getting rid of a shame trigger or getting rid of an anger trigger or resolving some trauma you know there were each retreat has its own story and its own insight
0: oh really okay so yeah actually each retreat is, is different it's not all you unif- uniformly the same absolutely oh okay interesting this is because each place is kind of like a different culture like we said like a different you know spiritual belief so then they kind of adjust differently in a way well i mean no it's, it's all it's all
1: the same kind of program okay.
0: uh, but each center is
1: different the land the energy in the land is different oh, okay. Got you it. know the location and the kind of people that come to it are different i noticed gentlemen on the east coast coming to Jessup of georgia were rougher men <laughs> you know these were like <sighs> CEOs. these were music producers these were guys that had to fight and they had a strong yeah aggressive aura about them which mm-hmm. softened up at the end of the retreat right because that's kind of what happens everyone's happy at the end of each retreat but you know different yeah the, the types of people it attracted the, the little niceties at each center mm-hmm. had, got it the type of food that was served you know in in texas it was actually much more indian food there's a huge indian population
0: oh, okay so it's not barbecue <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, no, no, i was surprised i was like there was some really excellent indian food there but yeah 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 like, yeah. like quebec you know the cheese yeah. is yeah, kind of yeah. the center point because the cheese is excellent in Quebec mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah
1: you know there's just little niceties but also the type of people that come to it so yeah same
0: same program but different things okay that's 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 actually very cool um and I mean out of all the different you know locations um places that you've traveled to or or you know been to which one would would you say would be like your favorite
1: the one that resonated the most with me that's a tough question but i would like to say that I, I went up to mount san jacinto which is near you yeah and i took a in palm springs and i took the aerial tramway up and i camped at night and that's a sacred mountain of the Cohuila indians native americans and you know there's there's a legend of course of Taquitz, who used to be a chief turned into an evil shape-shifting monster in that area mm. and a hero named al-gut had to fight him trained for you know a whole year in different seasons and had to fight him um, and, of course, conquered. But of course, the spirit of Taquits lives in those mountains and an evil spirit. Um, But uh, what I felt in that time I camped was I was able to cry. And my Qigong teacher says that when you cough, because in, in traditional Chinese medicine, the lungs is where you hold the negative emotion of grief and you hold the virtue of righteousness. And you hold your grief there. So he said, when when he did a healing on me before I left Seattle, he put his hands on me and I noticed he was coughing a lot. And I was like, Dr. Sun, you know, why are you coughing? It's like, that's how he gets rid of those negative energies when he does his healing. He takes it on into his body and he releases it. And I was like, wow, what a compassionate thing and what a beautiful ability he has. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, of course, when he's dealing with things in the stomach, the guy's burping and I feel it. That's that's the most important part for me is I really feel being lifted out of that and uh crying is the next biggest release you know above coughing crying is really how you get that grief out and as a man raised in 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 the philippines in the u.s it's very difficult to cry grief isn't an an emotion that men are allowed to have Uh, anger really is the one we're allowed to have so to speak yeah and a lot of men generally you know hide their grief with their anger yeah and uh I remember sleeping on that mountain and something I felt was touching me in my body. And it was just helping me just release that grief. And I I remember I I cried most of that night. Oh, wow. And it was such a beautiful release and a beautiful healing for me. And I was so grateful because I held a lot of grief Mm -hmm. during this journey and not just because of what happened in Seattle and the traumas that caught up to me, but also the, the, the things in reality that I saw in my own country and around the world that were not ideal, you know? Yeah. And, and part of Vipassana is, Vipassana, the word itself, means seeing reality as it is, yeah. moment to moment, and not reacting. Just accepting things for as they are, and that's a very high spiritual value, because someone like yeah. me, who wants to change things for the better, this and that, it's very difficult yeah. to see injustice in the world. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that added extra shock onto me at different parts of my journey, which my Vipassana practice helped me manage. And of course, prayer too, Christian prayer helped me a lot as well. And going to those sacred sites like Mount San Jacinto, Joshua Tree National Park was big for me. Sedona, Arizona, and the Red Rocks. There was something extremely spiritual about that mm-hmm. place. White Sands, New Mexico is a UNESCO World Heritage Site in southern New Mexico. And that's the largest white gypsum sand dunes in the
0: world. Oh, wow, nice.
1: And they do Native Americans did a lot of vision quests there. There are a lot of legends there, UFO sightings, et cetera, And I spent time meditating there and hiking there. Uh, Sanctuario de Chimayo. Is in New Mexico, northern New Mexico, and it is the premier Catholic pilgrimage site in all of the U.S. Three hundred thousand visitors a year, mm. and people actually take dirt from the well, and they believe that it has healing properties. <laughs> uh, and I d- I still have dirt with me to this day that I took there.
0: Okay, okay. You
1: well, know, in South Dakota, the Badlands and the Black Hills. I mean, mm-hmm. those are both sacred sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of sacred sites are you know, in, in South Dakota, in the Black Hills. Yeah. Uh, where else? Uh, let's see. The Basilica of the Assumption in Baltimore, Maryland. That's the first uh, cathedral in the U.S. Oh, really? And, oh, okay. you know, Pope John Paul II <laughs> prayed there. Mother Teresa prayed there. And it wasn't on my list of things to do in my map, you know, from sacredplacesofpeaceandpower.com. Yeah. I just stumbled across this place and there was so much holy righteousness in this place. I really could feel it. Mm. at least for me personally right and yeah, uh, yeah i was so shocked by this beautiful unexpected discovery and this healing that i was feeling in that place mm-hmm. so you know there, there there can be magic in in within four walls or within a mountain or within a lake and uh it, it depends on you right you may yeah. go to mount san jacinto and may not feel anything yeah um but it depends on what resonates with you and if you believe in past lives what may have resonated for mm-hmm. your past lives you know so those are some places off the top of my head in my journey that I went to and I really felt healing or felt power.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, you know, I, I after listening to the, your journey and all these different places that you mentioned, I mean, of course, now like I'm inspired. I, I want to do check it out too myself. Um, the other thought I just came up to me too is that you know, because you said you grew up, you grew up as, you know, a, a Catholic, right, you know, Roman Catholic, um, and so to me, the thought that I had in my head is that, you know, when, let's say, I guess, you know, because I'm not religious, so I'm just saying this, like, okay, let's say, you know, when God created us, did, did God intentionally created us with, like, our kind of third eye blinded, where, like, people can't see the world as it is because if it's that's intentional that's kind of a, a, a cruel joke <laughs> in a sense
1: yeah you know i've heard a lot of theories and i'm not saying which one i believe i'm just yeah. throwing them out there but yeah, yeah yeah one of them is that our souls choose the kind of karma we want to have in this life before we come into this life it's like a soul contract some people don't like that um, idea because what you know cancer survivors are like what so i, I chose cancer is that what you're telling me yeah oh. so it's very difficult in in all situations to yeah. really put that on and some people believe that there's this evil that wraps around the world and in order to come into the world as a spiritual being to have a human experience mm-hmm. you kind of have to have some restrictions on your power so to speak i've heard oh. the theory um you know i've heard that hey there's fluoride in the w- drinking water and it's blocking your third eye, right? You know, I've heard a lot of different things. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it really, and it could be anything or the yeah. truth could be grains within each of those belief systems. Um, so uh, it's difficult to say, but I think that the, the purpose that we have in this life, the highest game you can play is moving towards enlightenment or, you know, just goodness, um, if you will. And in the Vipassana tradition, you know, ideally speaking, you'd want a society that sustains people to give them the maximum amount of time to meditate yeah. in the best possible environment. And they model that with their centers
0: mm.
1: and, and these 10 day free experiences they give. Of course, you're allowed to donate after 10 days. And mm-hmm. 80% of those centers are run off donations, which is amazing. There's 220 yeah. around the world.
0: Oh
1: yeah. Um, but again, it's just, a, it's a different view. It's, it's different views and different things that I hear. And I, I put them all, on the, the, the drawing board of my mind and mm-hmm. they all may conflict in different ways but i try yeah. to hold all those conflicting ideas without letting it cause a lot of discomfort in me because the truth could be spread around you never know
0: mm, okay i mean so i mean in, in a way i mean since they're all theories it's probably best you just really kind of go with for you for go of your gut like what you know whatever you believe in and however you see it and however you see life and just go with that and maybe just accept that right i mean because as fun as theories are, I mean, you know, um, sometimes maybe a little bit like uh, not productive thinking about them too much, I guess you would say.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. You could fall into the conspiracy hole. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, you know, of course, believing Hollywood has all these
1: evil people and reptile people. But at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. be aware of it, but don't let sure. it, don't let the fear take over your life because maybe yeah. that's what they want <laughs> if they exist. You know, and, and and it's not fun to be like the Mayan 2012 calendar. I knew a guy that went to Australia to a high mountain where you know George Clooney went or some celebrities went. Okay. They thought that this was going to hit, that it was going to be the end of times. Oh, like, dude, you really let that derail your life? <laughs> yeah. Nothing happened, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. yeah. On, the, on the physical plane, right? Spiritually, I don't know, but you know, who knows?
0: Well, I mean. Uh... I don't know. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, because we didn't go through a pandemic. So maybe that's like a sign of something.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe it is. But also, uh, you know, there were no prophecies, kind of Christian oh, prophecies right. or anything predicting right. this. So there's no one kind of coming out of the woodwork saying this is the end of times, really, mm-hmm. which you would think. Because it was a pretty extreme closure for all of the world. We've all been through some craziness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We all been crazy. And, um, but, you know, I think. F- for, for that crazy event, I mean, I think for you, it, I wouldn't say it's an easy adjustment, but at least for you, you I'm, I'm sure you're more well-versed, right? Because you kind of went through all this stuff. So then, I mean, all of last year's probably didn't really phase you that much.
1: I was in Mexico for most of COVID. Oh, you were, okay. After I got out that last meditation retreat, my father gave me the offer to take care of my 94-year-old grandfather in Mexico. And, uh, you know, at the time, uh ex-president trump was going to close the borders and i thought he would close the land and air borders yeah hindsight's 2020 he just closed the land border but i was freaking out like what if my grandfather didn't get to see him again yeah so i spent three months with him down there and i was cooking for him cleaning you know doing the all this stuff nice um you know kind of just trying to be the ideal grandson if you will
0: yeah
1: yeah and uh you know being in mexico and being hyper vigilant because if I got sick, then I would spread it to my grandfather and I don't want to be blamed by the family to kill my grandfather, right? So I was being hyper, you know, aware of things and Mexico at the time was kind of slower than the US so to speak as a whole to kind of get on the train there for wearing masks and being sanitary. But yeah, it was, was, the isolation was real and that was difficult. But -hmm. the way, I didn't tell you about this but the way I did the journey was before I left Seattle, I quit all social media because I felt yes. like I to do that. Yes. And even more extreme, I chose not to communicate with anyone from my past life. I just communicated with my parents to let them know where I was alive and one mm. childhood friend. And I know that's extreme. A lot of people, maybe yeah. that's not right for you. That's fine. You don't need to relate to me there, but we all know what, and I chose isolation really. I chose yeah. solitude. It wasn't like I was lonely. I chose that. Yeah. And I also met a lot of people on my journey as well, but I knew I needed this for healing. And I also was made out partly out of resentment of all the betrayals of trust between my family, immediate extended and friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, there was a part of that, that that decision that was made out of resentment, but there was a big part of it that was made out of, okay, I need to see life as it is. And the best way I do that is I don't have someone on the phone telling me, you should go here or you should go here. I don't want shoulds. I want everything on that map I showed you was a complete manifestation of who I am as a person. Every place I went, it represents my interest in who I am and no one telling me what to do. And, and there's a lot of freedom in that, but it's also like shopping on Amazon without yeah. anything in mind. It's overwhelming.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah, it's Amazon always recommending you stuff to buy when like you're not even sure if you want to buy it, but you see it, you're like, okay, fine. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and that's also, yeah, that's also another thing too I was going to ask about. It's like, you know, you choose this kind of solitude um being you know not necessarily feeling lonely obviously just being alone you know because that's the thing because like you know like what you mentioned like during COVID a lot of people were in isolation and some people aren't used to it and and for you I mean it's probably for you it's kind of like I would say a cakewalk right (laughs) I mean but but then you know you've had that experience already
1: (laughs) yeah yeah no I and it wasn't new to me uh, what was new to me was that the, you know, the Mexican drug cartel did kill one person and kidnap 20 people in front of the Costco I went to. Oh, did they really? Oh, wow. And around the Highway 200, there was a lot of military vehicles and I was there by myself and I've never spent a summer in, in, in Mexico, but in the Philippines, of course, but it was a while since I went to a place that had 90 degree Fahrenheit weather, yeah. Yeah. 90 to 100 percent humidity, yeah. thunderstorms at night. That That's a stressor, no doubt. And, wow. Uh, you know. So, uh, and I, I love Mexican food, but at the time, you know, uh, there, there were a lot of things going on too, cause I came out of this journey and I'm seeing my family from a different perspective. Yeah. You know, I'm seeing them with really fresh eyes and there were some things that I saw that I just did not like, you know, I, um, mm. you know, when you do family constellation work, yeah. you look at your father's lineage and your mother's lineage yeah. and you see what positive and negative traits fell on you, on yeah. your shoulders. And a lot of people these days, at least spiritual people, are we have to be the cycle breaker. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to continue this behavior within the family yeah. line for my kids. Yeah, That's yeah. a lot of language that I hear within people that are aware and yeah. want to change the world and themselves.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh no, that's great. That's great. No, you're right. You're right. Um, and yeah, no, because these cycles, the, you know, they last from generation to generation, right? It's it literally passes on. You know the the way how we behave and and even because the way how your parents think and act or or even were taught I mean it's like from your grandparents and your grandparents to your great great grandparents so it's like passing on to like and then it's so so yeah it's sometimes if it's bad then it's just like you you won't even know it, it just keeps passing on and, and you probably will and then if you don't break out that cycle like when you have kids you're probably gonna try to do the same thing to them and then that is like yeah, it's a very it's like a vicious cycle, you know. And I agree with you that that um, if you're aware of it, then you should, at some point, try to break it. You know, um, which is
1: almost try to do the work.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's easier said than done, right? I mean, it's always easy to just say it. Uh, it's always hard to do it. Um, I mean, just like even even just like when you said about quitting social media, that's also hard too because it's almost it's become like an addiction for a lot of people and, and that's something I don't even know how you manage to do because I I mean I I've tried to do these like kind of short social media kind of breaks on my own before but the most I've done were like maybe three days off not checking but then just completely quitting is just like I don't know there's something obviously wrong with not just myself but with a lot of people to to keep doing this which is just yeah, <laughs> Yeah, but
1: at the end of the day, it's like a knife, right? You can use it to cut vegetables or stab someone. It's a tool. Um, and it just depends on how you use it. That it could be positive or negative for you and others. Uh, but for me, you know, kind of the message that I'm getting is I need to get myself out there. And I'm grateful that you invited me on this podcast and, we're, and I get to be able to put myself out there. But, you know, given that I was my family was, went through a lot of lawsuits growing up at 10 years old. I stopped communicating with everyone I met in the Philippines because I didn't trust myself as a kid mm-hmm. to say something that could harm my parents. And of course,
0: yeah. in
1: the Philippines we call it cuento cuento, you know, story story. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone gossips. Of course, yeah. in Crazy Rich Asians it's called Radio One Asia. Yeah. I didn't want to be the guy to harm my family, so I chose an extreme route, uh, which was kind of also supported by my family because we never went back. Of just yeah. kind of like,
0: yeah, yeah. I didn't
1: lean on my family in the Philippines at all, and because of that. Um, I chose to never put myself on social media
0: Mm.
1: or in my space. I was very, you know, wary of putting myself out there. And now the message I'm getting, at least within my heart, is you need to share your gifts and what you learn with the world. And and that's going to, you know, you're going to have to put yourself out there and take risks and be courageous with your story and what you have to say. And maybe it's not going to please everybody in your life, your parents, your friends, whatever. But, you know, you have to be brave and you have to put yourself out there. So this is a huge step for me. And I appreciate you, t- you taking yeah. me on so I can make this stuff for myself.
0: No, and I really appreciate and thanks thank you for even saying yes, be interested in coming on as a guest, because I mean, I know you have like amazing journey and, and, um, and, and a, a story to share. And that's, it's just delightful to hear. Uh, I hope that however, how many followers I have would actually listen and, you know, um, I mean, I, I know. I, of course, I'll try my best to to really spread the story out because I think it is worth hearing. Um, you know, so so I, I'll I'll see what I can do on my end, but but you know, the point is that who, it doesn't matter how many people listen, You know, even this the way how I'm thinking about everything now too. I don't know if you agree. Is that even if it like inspires or change one person's life, I think I think I've you know I feel like I've done pretty good. You're right, and you know, I
1: actually. I had the opportunity to study Islam for two, two quarters at Seattle University, which is very rare. You wouldn't think a private Jesuit college would allow that. Yeah. Uh, but there was a beautiful quote that struck me in the Quran and I hear it's from actually Judaism originally later on. But when I first read it, it was, it went like this, it was a Hadith and it said, you know, you save one person. It's like saving the world. Mm. And I was so moved by that. Cause it's like, if I could save one person in my life, I would truly be fulfilled as a human being. So if my message can, it can radically change or even in a small way, change someone's life or yeah. their perspective in a positive way for them yeah. and the world, yeah. then I would be fulfilled and happy. So no pressure to, to spread me around. But, <laughs> but, you know, as long as there's one person that I can help, I'd be grateful.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, me too. Yeah, I mean, because like what you said, it could spread to maybe that one person, they are like, hey, you know what? This, the conversations we're having now it really helped me change my life and then he or she will pass it on to maybe their other friends or their other you know companions whatever it is and then maybe then maybe you'll be even more than than just one person right yeah um, at least that's how i tend to think of it this is a great way to try to wrap it up too so i do have i guess uh i do have a final question to wrap it up or well, maybe two so the first question, you know, cause you're talking about like, okay, well, as long as I save one person, I'll be fulfilled as a, as a human being. So who is that one person you want to save? <laughs> you know,
1: my name, Alexander means yeah. protector of men. Okay. And, you know, if I could save the kind of man who's unable to ask for help and be vulnerable, if I could save the kind of man that uh, is unable to be in touch with his emotions, if I could help that man move from his head to his heart mm. the, and living that kind of heart centered life, then I would be grateful. So there's no one person, but that kind of type of. Person. Um, okay. And, and it could be a woman. It could be a child. I, I don't discriminate, but, you know, particularly speaking, given what I've gone through, yeah. um, I think my, my message would most resonate with men, so to speak.
0: Oh, great. That's a great answer. And And then this this question may or may not link to the previous question or kind of does, but depending how you view it, how do you want people to remember you by when you die?
1: I want people to remember me as a man who had his struggles but he always used them, his lemons to make lemonade. He always Mm. tried his best to make good out of a bad situation uh, he was a man who was patient and he accepted what was happening, whether it was good or bad. And, and, and most importantly, he tried to share his merits with the world and his talents and his gifts and the things that he's achieved with other people so that they may reach their highest potential. Cause personally, I believe that if you're not trying to reach your highest potential in life, then, then you're missing out on a lot and the world is missing out on a lot because yeah. they need you in some way that you may not be able to see, or you may not ever see in this lifetime. They need you to, to strive and be the best you can be in whatever you want to do.
0: Oh, great. That's beautiful. Um, and I lied. There's one more question. <laughs> one more oh, yeah, question. Yeah, sure. <laughs> this, this, this one is just, uh, it's just for, for social media. Um, so, you know, for people who want to continue to follow your journey and, and know about your story, where can they find you?
1: Yes. So uh, my uh, Instagram is at Alexander Karuga K O R U uh, G A. It's a private Instagram, but, I'm working on making it go public. Byron Chow, your friend, is telling me you got to make it public. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you want to follow me, I'll accept you. Uh, Even if I don't know you, uh, you probably heard from this podcast. So, uh, you know, please follow me. And I'm working on my website, which is going to be alexanderkruger.com when I launch it within the month. And, you know, of course, it's going to link to this podcast, uh, however you put it up, audio, video, whatever. And, you know, please follow me, uh, please ask questions, DM me, I'm always willing to help, especially if you're willing to ask.
0: Great. Sounds, sounds good. And yeah, now I'll, for those who are listening uh, and watching, I'll, I'll post all this, you know, on the description so people can find out and then I'll, you know, obviously I'll update you with Alexander's website whenever. So whenever it launches, I'm sure he'll, he'll let me know and I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and update that. And so people can check it out.
1: Nice, Darren. Well, thank you so much for having me. And if you want to talk a little bit more after this, I'm always willing.
0: Yeah, I know. I know you are. So we'll, we, we definitely won't. You know, I always do that. But th- sure. thanks again, Alexander. Really appreciate it. It's, it's, it's been it's a great conversation to start the morning. It was great. Um, so, but yeah. And thank you all for for listening and, uh, you know, hope you all enjoyed the rest of your day and uh, we'll be back again next week. Thank you.